Good morning. You sang a song. If you meant it, then you've really started the message for today. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. And that's really where I'm going. I, we didn't talk. He had no idea. But I couldn't have asked for a better uh, conclusion or a better introduction other than the children's sermon. Because she talked about being a missionary. And that's really where we're going to go with this. Is God's call. I want to talk to you today about the call. It's kind of a mystical, nebulous thing. Now some of you, when I say about the call, you might think about that, that 2013 movie, The Call. And I looked it up this morning, the trailer said, when a veteran 911 operator takes a life-altering call from a teenage girl who had just been abducted. Well, the call I'm talking about is indeed a life-altering call. But it's not a telephone to anyone in this world. Now, when I looked up the word call on dictionary.com, one meaning is a command or request to come, a summon. Another is to convoke, to convene. And then the one that is most in line with what we're going, where I'm going is to summon by or as if by divine command. I, your pastor would agree there, was, there is a call expressed in how many ways but something that's deeper than you and beyond you and that's why they went to Guatemala that's why I went to Brazil there's a book by Oz Guinness talks about the call and he said in this book, what is God's call on my life? Why am I here? How do I fit God's call within my own individuality? How should God's calling affect my career, my plans for the future, my concept of success? And he said it, couldn't have asked again, it was great to see what he said. No idea short of God's call can ground and fulfill the truest human desire for purpose and fulfillment. So today, I want to talk about God's call. Now first, and it's absolutely essential, the first, the most fundamental part of his call is his call to himself in a personal relationship. He is your creator. He is the sovereign one of the universe. And just because he doesn't show himself in ways that you understand doesn't mean that he's any less God and he's any less concerned about you. Your life really only makes sense when you know why am I here? What am I supposed to do with this life? It's amazing as I'm pushing 60, I don't know why I'm thinking about that more and more, but whether 60 or 20, 
Why am I here? Was it just all about money, about job, about career? Is it just all about family, about fame, fortune? Why am I here? Well, you're here on the most fundamental level. You are here to know God. To know Him personally. To know Him as your Savior and Lord. And if you haven't yet met Him as your Savior and Lord, maybe today's your day or at least you'll be thinking about it. And I'm sure your pastor would be delighted to talk with you some more about that. But until you come to know Him personally, then all the rest of what I'm saying doesn't really connect. So do you know Him? Do you not know about Him, but do you know Him as your Savior and Lord? You need to know Him. Once you know Him, then what we need to understand is being called to Him, then we go to His call to serve. Everyone here, if you are a child of God, your most fundamental level of call beyond being called to Him is your call to serve. Jesus said, the Son of Man, in Mark 10.45, did not come to be served, but to serve. To serve. And you're no more like Jesus than when you serve. When you serve is when Jesus shines the brightest. And all of you, if you're a child of God, you have that call. You're called to serve. Now, we all do it differently. Some do it up here singing, and some do it behind the scenes. There's just so many ways that people can serve. That's what your gifts, talents, and personalities are all about. And you can figure it all and you glorify Him. And Jesus was the example. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And you're no more like Jesus than when you serve. Once you've got that straight, that I'm here to serve, in some cases, God takes that call to serve, and you want to serve Him vocationally. You want to, in some form or fashion, serve Him in some type of what we call ministry or service to Him. Whether full-time, whether part-time, whether as a volunteer in a parachurch organization. I began my service as a youth volunteer with Youth for Christ in 1976. been called to serve and serve him by giving your time in some form or fashion. And then I want to go to another level on God's call to serve vocationally as a missionary. In some cases, the support for you because all of us have to pay bills. 
We all have to take care of our family. And if we don't take care of our family, we're worse than an unbeliever. Some cases, like our case, we were, we were supported by Southern Baptists through the cooperative program. That's what you do now. You support missionaries all over the world and all throughout North America. As you give and we combine the funds. Sometimes the, you do that as a, as a local church or with small groups. Or you do what's be called a faith missionary, which may, means you raise your own support or you talk to people. Well, whatever the mechanism is for paying your bills, the missionary call is just like it was in Genesis 12. Go, and I'll show. You leave your family, your language, and your culture. You deny yourself and follow me. And again, I know your pastor, he could share you a lot about that. Same thing, you... Okay, Lord, you've called. You may not understand all it. It's clear, but you've called me. And I'm going. Well, what's interesting now is this call can be expressed within the USA because God has brought the world to the USA. There are how many languages being spoken in Houston right now? Um, that's how some do, is that they focus on the ones that God has brought or brought out of their home culture, and you win them, and you send them back. Um, I've got a friend. You, if you support the property program, you support them, Andy and Cindy Kennedy. They are in Germany, and they're working with Muslim and other refugees. And they baptized recently some 20. They couldn't even show you their photos. But imagine if they go back. That's another way to do missionaries is you win them where you are and send them back to do missions. Well, today, I'm looking at missions and I want to look at the first cross-cultural missionary and his name is Abraham. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to see the Lord's call to missions, the Lord's orientation to missions, the Lord's realization of missions through His call, and the Lord's blessing in missions. So let's read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to read from my version. And I'm going to do something, I, you know, this is contemporary, but you know what? When you respect someone, at least I'm old, but when, you when the teacher and the principal comes into your office, what do you do? You stand up, right? Someone asked you to stand up as we read God's word. I'm going to read from my version. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. God bless as we share this truth, these truths from your word. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, first I want to talk from this text about the Lord's call to missions. Because look what 12.1, it says, The Lord said to Abram. Well, in Genesis 1, to kind of get a little, catch us up to where we're at in Genesis 12, as far as biblical history is concerned. In Genesis 1, it's the Lord, the capital L-O-R-D, right? The Yahweh, Jehovah, depends on who your teacher is. The Lord revealed himself as the creator of heavens and earth and all that is in them. With a special focus on the first couple on the sixth day. And by the way, I, I believe that. Your pastor does. And it's as believable as believing in billions of years. You just have to take the evidence and look at it from another perspective. And you can see the earth and the universe that we have is thousands of years old and not billions. And the Lord... He created. And as the creator, he's the owner. In fact, in Genesis 2-4, calls him the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. And the Lord continued to reveal himself before and after Abraham. In 2,000 years later, after Abraham, Jesus Christ revealed himself as God in the flesh. Well, going back to Abraham in our text, it says, The Lord said to Abraham. Well, all we know is that he said, we don't know how. Was it a vision? Was he dreaming? Did God, we don't know. What we do know is that in some form or fashion, God unmistakably communicated with Abram. And this is the first time God has ever said anything like this, as far as the scripture is concerned. Well, and when we don't know that the Lord had ever spoke to Abraham before, we just we don't know. Read a little bit in Acts, and possibly yes, but as far as this is concerned, right here, the Lord is speaking. Well, even though this was the Lord's personal revelation, and maybe the first, we know that. God is revealing himself. God is speaking. And as far as Abraham was concerned, that was enough. Now, I have a question. How do you know that God communicates with you? Have you heard the Lord speaking to you? Scripture says it sometimes is a still, small voice. It's that quiet. It's that Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. Often he'll... He'll do it by means of Scripture. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through other people. He speaks through ministries in your church, your pastor's sermon, maybe the song. But if the Lord has communicated, have you obeyed? Because what did Jesus say? You know, we can sing that we love Him. But Jesus said, if you love me, what do you do? Keep my commandments. It's easy to sing and say and get all, all hyped up on stage. But what do you do out of here? 24-7. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
Well, the Lord revealed himself. He spoke to Abram. And what was his call? What did the Lord say? He called him to what we today would say is missions. Now, all are called to serve. If you're a child of God, God's called you to serve him. And you're actually called to be on mission with him. In John 16, Jesus said, my father is working and so am I. And what he does is he, wherever he's working, he's preparing the field and then he's calling you. I know they saw it in Guatemala, I saw it in Brazil, but I see it down in Bartlett at where I'm serving right now as a correctional chaplain. God's working. Well, like Abram, some, call, some are called to leave. Leave home, family, culture. Serve him in another language and another culture. But who is the one who calls? Is the Lord. It's Yahweh Elohim. It's the sovereign Lord of the universe. He's the one that's called. And in some cases, he'll call to leave and go, like he did with Abraham. Now, it's interesting, when he calls to leave and go, you know, so many questions come up. But that's when we go back to his promise in Philippians. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So if God's called you, he's responsible to finish it. Now, that doesn't subtract at all our obedience. But ultimately, behind, around, under and over, in front and in back, it's God. He will complete what He started in you. Have you heard the Lord of the universe, your Creator, calling you to serve Him, serve around. Here at home, school, work, in your church, or to the ends of the earth, or anywhere in between. It's, it's His call. Well, when the Lord calls, He orients. He tells you, what to do. Now, in this case with Abram, and really, this is how it is so often, look what it says in his call. Number one in, in chapter, in verse one, it says, go out. Leave. You have to go out from your land, your relatives, your father's house. And to leave involves self-denial. You're willing to say, God, your call is much more important and much more, much more essential than what I think I'm doing. But you've got to deny yourself to do that. And if you're going to go out, you need to embrace Luke 9.23. If anyone wants to come with me, he must 
deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that denial is especially evident in the events, in the happenings, in the special moments, in your absence, in the homegoing of loved ones, in family weddings. I remember when we were transferred to Goyanya, I was out of internet for 15 days, and when we got back online is when I found out that's when my grandfather had passed. Denial. But that's... You're supposed to deny yourself anyway. If you're going to be a follower, there's really no choice. Now, what would it look like for you to deny yourself? What does that mean? Are you willing to put his call above home, family, friends, language, everything you know? Are you willing to be absent from significant life events? The Lord says to follow his call, Abraham was to go out. But then he said, go to. He says in verse 1, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land I will show you. The Lord promises to guide as we determine to follow him. Now, Abraham didn't know the where. He just knew that he'd been called to leave. And that call was enough. If we read in Genesis 11, his father, look at verse 31 of chapter 11. It says, Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, Haran's son, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's son, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Interestingly, it don't know what's involved in that. Did God also speak to Dad? Don't know. But, her, but Dad got to Haran and stopped. So God calls again Abram some five years later. Or it may have been less. Now your dad's been here, your family's here, but now... Keep on. Keep on. So Abram left. And the Lord showed as he traveled on. I know when I started first considering the IMB in 1983, I just knew, here am I, send me. That was it. Like Isaiah 6. And 14 years later, as I prepared and studied and all that, I just kept in contact, and finally the Lord showed me it was Brazil. But my promise, my confidence, and yours, all of ours, is that Jesus is the way. But he's not only the way to heaven, he's the way, period. He'll show you. As you decide to follow him, he will communicate with you, and he'll show you the where. What does it take? What would it take for you to hear his still, small voice? What would it look like for you to surrender and deny yourself and put it all beside, behind, and say, I'm going to follow you? The Lord's call and the Lord's orientation is that you go and he'll show. I want to look now 
at how the Lord realizes, how the Lord brings missions to pass. Look here as we go to verse 2. He says, I will make. Notice it's I will, right? I will make. I will bless. I will make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse who treat you with contempt. Who's the one that's doing it all here? Who's the I? Is that Abram? Who is it? Is that Abraham? Who is it? It's God. God's the I. When you decide that you're going to follow Him, I will. You know, Jesus in John said, I am. Well, Jehovah God to Abram said, I will. I will. Now, some of these promises may not necessarily be what we would see today. But God said, I'll make you into a great nation. And when you study the history of Abraham, 550 years later, at this time, remember, Abraham doesn't even have a child. But by the time you get 550 years later to his descendants, how many of them are there? There's 2 million of them when they get ready to do the exodus. There's 600,000 fighting men plus their wives and children. So easily 2 million. God had made Abraham a great nation. He's looked today as the spiritual father to the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims. Well, what would it look like for God to make you a great nation? Or if not great in descendants, great in reputation, in impact, in influence, where you are right now. That's God's promise. I will. And it's I will make you great. Second, he says, I will bless you. Well, the Lord, if you read Abraham's story, by the time you get to 20, chapter 24, the Lord had blessed Abraham and everything. The Lord blessed Abraham. He lived 175 years. But he was given a land, he was promised a land that 4,000 years later is still linked to his descendants. He is spiritual, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. And he's the model of living by faith. I would say that Abraham was blessed. I will bless you. And if you determine wherever you are, whether you stay here or you go somewhere else, if you determine to follow Him, God will bless you. That's His promise. Now, I, I hope, I trust that my 13 years with the IMB and four years as a bivocational and the time God has me at, uh, in Bartlett, I am leaving a good mark and a good name. Now, have you experienced God's blessing? God says, I will bless. Have you determined, have you decided to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? I will bless you. Look at the third thing in chapter, in verse 2. I will make your name great. God's going to do something with your name, with who you are, with what you represent. And I remember my wife, Rose, Rosa, Rosa, in Portuguese she's Rosa. And 
We had gone to visit an island community that she had left nine and a half years ago. And the day we pulled up, one of the dear precious ladies said, missionary, missionary, we were talking about you earlier this week. That's pretty amazing. God will make your name great. You know, our concern needs to be about God's reputation. When you are at home, at school, at work, at where you live, what are they saying about God because of you? Is your life making God more famous and more real? Then God, he gives two more I wills. He says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. Well, we kind of take those together. We know that as we trace Abraham, that God protected him. He took a little side trip to Egypt and God got his wife back to him. In fact, God put his heavy hand on Pharaoh. But it's interesting even today that nations or groups that have blessed Abraham or his descendants have been blessed by God. I don't, it doesn't matter about your political leanings. I, I think there's very much too honoring Abraham's descendants or our faithfulness to them today, which is the nation of Israel. Doesn't justify everything they've done. They're in no way perfect. But I think that's been one of the reasons that we have been blessed in the second half of the 19th century, of 20th century. And individuals who have cursed Abraham or Israel have been cursed and come to a bad end. Well, looking at it here, the blessing of God. What does that look like? Have you experienced God's blessing, what would it be on your life? Now, often that starts just by being thankful. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Have you done that? When's the last time you just sit down and tick, 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 tick? That's, a, that's an answer for anger and bitterness and all that goes along. Well, what does God's protection look like? Have you looked back and seen how he's taken care of you? Finally, I'm going to conclude the Lord's blessing in missions through those he calls. God says in verse 2, you will be a blessing. In verse 3, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, that happened through Abraham, through his greatest descendant. Jesus Christ. And then, as we share about the salvation that's available in Jesus Christ, we are being a blessing. And we are blessing the peoples of the earth as we witness, as we share with those that we come in contact. And so it comes back to we can become that blessing as we share the blessing of the good news 
of Jesus Christ. And for each one of you, you're here today for a purpose. You may not fully understand it, but God has called you. First, he's called you to himself in a personal relationship. And do you have that personal relationship? Do you know that you know that you're a child of God? And then he's called you to serve. If you know him, then you're called to serve him. And in some cases, that call to service is expressed in some form of ministry. In fact, all of us are called to minister, but in some ways you, you do things, you lead worship, you preach, you go as a missionary. And that's the next and where I want to go. Maybe God is calling some of you. Maybe you're like me in 1983. I said, I don't know, Lord. I just know here am I. Send me. And 14 years later is when I understood it. I'm going to turn it over to your pastor to conclude as the Lord leads.